This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at BurnsClan. New handle alert at BurnsClan. As always, follow at your own risk. And I am so excited about today's episode. You know, in all the years I've been hosting Pastor Mike, we have never had this particular guest. And he is a very popular name. He is no stranger to many of you. He is a two-time Grammy award-winning hip-hop artist and best-selling author. And of course, his name is Lecrae. And I was so excited to be able to sit down and talk with our brother Lecrae about his very busy 2020 in spite of dealing with the pandemic, Lecrae has put out a lot of material for us to interact with. The first is his album, Restoration, which features some of your favorite artists on it, like Kirk Franklin and John Legend. And I also spent the bulk of the time talking about his recently released book entitled I Am Restored, How I Lost My Religion But Found My Faith. And I'll read just a little bit of the description. It says here that Lecrae has inspired millions with his redemptive and gut-honest art. But when his personal life spun into chaos, he was forced to face the buried impact of the unhealed wounds, sexual abuse, physical trauma, addiction, and depression that threatened to tear it all apart. Along the way, he realized the wounds we all carry have the potential to be unlikely guides to healing and freedom for ourselves and others. I am restored as an inspiring charge to embrace the lasting healing and restoration available now and that we all desperately long for. Because no matter what you've experienced, God is near, God hears, and God is not done with you yet. Now, I am so excited to share this interview with you all. It's a landmark moment for PTM because we finally get Lecrae on the line. But I have to tell you, in preparation for this interview, as you listen, we did record this on my camera. So this actually was recorded via video. So the audio will not be as pristine as you are used to here on PTM. You might hear a little bit of background noise as we were using camera microphones and things of that nature. But the reason is we actually want to release the video of this interview to our Patreon audience. That's right. If you are a PTM patron, you will be receiving not just this audio, but you'll also be receiving the video of this particular interview in the next week. And if you are listening to Pass the Mic, you have not become a patron of the podcast. What are you doing with your life? Uh, you can become a patron just for $1 per episode. That's it. You'll get so many perks and you'll also get the opportunity to support the vital work that is happening here at The Witness and Pass the Mic. If you want to become a patron, you can easily do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. Well, without any further ado, let's get into our interview with Grammy Award winning artist Lecrae. We got the man Lecrae on past the mic. Finally, y'all, we made it. We made it. What's going on, brother? How you doing? It's really sad that I haven't been on here like that. Really <laughs> I feel ashamed of myself. It's all good. I'm here. Oh, man. man. Well, we appreciate you, brother. I got the book right here. So people yeah. need to know it looks real crispy, too. It feels good in the hand. I Am Restored is the book. Listen, I, I don't think we need any long, drawn-out intro. We obviously got the brother Lecrae, if you already know or are connected in any way, shape, or form to good music, good hip-hop, Christian content. You already know everything about this brother. And he just released an album called Restoration, which everybody should go and pick up. And then he released the book, obviously, I Am Restored. And I just said, man, we just want to talk, man. I just really want to talk and just share because I believe God is doing something amazing on the inside of you. And your process and your journey has been inspirational for so many people to watch. Let, let me start here, man, because I was going back through your discography and a lot of the way in which you talked about the titles of whether it's your book, um, Unashamed, or the music that you've done have either been aspirational or theological titles. Hmm. Um, so you think, you know, gravity and an anomaly, don't waste your life, you know, all these other things. Like they've been very aspirational, theological, but I feel like 
this is the first one that's been personal. Wow. Like, I feel like this is the first one where restoration is not something that you're seeking or something that you're theologically assenting to. It's actually where you are, where you're at. So I feel like this is the first time we've seen where you're at. Oh, wow. This is who, this is who Lecrae is. And this is where you are, man. Like what, what's it been like to navigate restoration in this season right now in 2020? And it's been crazy. I mean, it has been crazy. I think um, if I'm, if I'm honest, if I had not gone through everything that I've been through over the last four years, I don't know what it would have looked like for me to deal with this year. Honestly, I honestly feel like I was being prepared for everything that I'm currently seeing. I I really don't know how I would have handled it. I mean, obviously God is in control, but um, what, what has happened this year in terms of, you know, economically, politically, socially, racially, um, I don't the, even like as you think about the church, like where is the church right now with the, the social distancing? And it's just like there are so many layers to process. And um, I'm just grateful that I was able to to develop some tools to deal with it all. You know, I, I lost an entire tour, um, which was like. I don't know, that was that was a, a year's salary, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Gone. Um, but you know, we got the tools, you know what I'm saying? And so um that's that's really it's been crazy. You know, when you start the book, you talk a lot about this concept of chaos and you speak about it in the album as well. And I don't think people understand what chaos is for you. You know, we talk about chaos. And we think about external things and we think about things afar off. Um, We think about natural disasters. We think about a pandemic. But that internal chaos, diving into what that looks like for you, was shocking in the context of the books. Very, very shocking that you would say these things. Mm -hmm. When you say chaos, bring the people into that a little bit more. What do you mean when you say chaos? So so we can categorize them. Right. We can we can categorize the types of chaos. So let's look at racial chaos. Let's look at the racial chaos that I experienced. Um, You're talking about somebody who was heralded in white evangelical spaces, who was looked upon as a leader, who was um, looked upon as a voice and um, had to figure out how to navigate the racism that um, that I saw going on all around me. And then spoke about it, which meant you lose your financial support. You lose all of the, 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 you, you're coming from this traumatized background of not having a solid sense of family, of structure, of acceptance. And then you think you find it in this Christian context. And then all of it just dissipates um, because of you expressing your views on culture and ethnicity. Um, So there's that there's, the political chaos, which for me, I didn't I had no idea that uh, evangelicalism was in bed politically. <laughs> I literally I didn't know. So here I, I'm just like, yeah, we love Jesus. Yeah. And they're like, so how are you voting? I was like, what, what do you mean? How am I voting? It's like, well, you know, there's a way that we must vote as Christians. I didn't know this. And so <laughs> I'm not allowed to wrestle with these things. And, and then when you're the leader. And you say something about it, um, you're met with just tons of backlash. So the average person may have an opinion about these things, but they're not going to get 10,000 voices screaming back at them something different. And then the last thing I'll just talk to is just like, you know, family chaos. You know, I, I have to navigate all the things that I'm dealing with publicly, all the things that I'm dealing with as a public figure my own personal historical trauma, and then figure out how to be married to a wife when I've never seen a healthy marriage in my family and raise kids when I didn't even have my own father. So that's the chaos. And, and you know, there's so much to unpack here. It seems like we assume y'all have different tools than what we have. So like, you know, you talk about people who are in high platform positions in the center of conversations celebrities, Grammy Award winners, it, it, it would 
people would assume that you have more access to, to tools and materials to get you out of the chaos than what we do. And I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the case. And it, I don't know if, I don't know if it, even the comparison is right, but I feel like there's another layer of difficulty with you navigating this in front of all of us. And we get to see the ups and the downs and the silence points. Where's Lecrae and what's going on? Is he okay? Or, oh, he said this, or, oh, he did this. And I feel like we don't grasp that and actually hearing you talk about that a little bit more. And even, I I love this part that you you mentioned in the book, how you used to be transparent for others. Mm -hmm. Like you used to be transparent because, oh, it'll help you. Mm -hmm. Not transparent because, oh, it might get me free and healed. I'm going to be transparent for your sake. Like, and it's like, like talk a little bit about working through this in front of everyone and you see everybody and they're observing you and they're critiquing you. And then your inner circle is changing as well in the midst of all this, all this restoration and chaos before the restoration. Yeah, man. Um, Processing it publicly is hard because, you know, when you are a public figure, there's an expectation. You know, there's a saying that people build you up in order to tear you down, right? Like, that's the thing is that they're, everyone's wants this hero. Like, yeah, he's our guy. She's our girl. And they build you up, build you up, build you up until, until there's a point of expectation that you'll never fulfill. So now they can find reasons to pull you down. And the reality is I was like y'all the whole time. I've always just been a human being. I never, I, it, was, it wasn't as if I had a superpower, um, it's that you all place those superpowers on me. You place those expectations on me and made me to uh, be someone who could somehow, you know, th- there's no saying such as common to man except you. You know what I mean? Like some kind of way uh, you are not susceptible to the, f- the, f- the the frailty of humanity. So that's really difficult because you you're mincing your words all the time you're pro over processing all the time you're thinking about things other people don't have to think about you you you're you're having to you know everything about you scrutinize why isn't your hair combed why is your face that way what was that face you were making when you were on this and what's going on with this and why didn't you have an answer for that and so when you don't when you fall short because you're deified in some senses, people want to show how much, how they want to expound on how imperfect you are. Like, look at this imperfection. Or they preoccupy themselves with trying to find some way to objectify you into being what they want you to be or convince other people that you're far worse then you really are. So it just, it, it never stops. And how do you balance that with your understanding of the unique platform that God has given to you? And also your understanding that there is, you are, you are leading people and you are mm-hmm. helping other people navigate this. Like reading the book is like, okay, you're going to get some people free. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to get free reading your story. Yeah. And so there is that reality. And I think that always exists, but you're navigating, man, I feel like people are being unfair to me or they're, they're hypercritical of me. And also at the same time, I do know that my platform carries with it weight and responsibility. What's the balancing act been? Because when you started to make the shift with church clothes, it was clear you were like, all right, how am I supposed to navigate this? Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to do? And what's my role and my responsibility? Even in the, the racial conversations that we have post Mike Brown, post Trayvon Martin, so you're trying to figure out, well, what does this look like in navigating? How do you balance this recognizing the responsibility end of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think it's about, you know, so one, I want to look at God's word and see like, okay, do you have a, do you have something to say here? You know, is there something I need to take heed of? And I see these clear rules for pastors, for deacons. I see these clear rules and expectations. And I think it's something that we should all strive for. You know what I mean? Um, but I I don't see clear rules for someone who just has a 
public platform for someone who's just a little more known than other people. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's like, Hey, I'm not necessarily here to shepherd you, but I am here to point to places where shepherding exists. I am here to point to areas where shepherds should be considering. And there's so many things there. So, um, so you you wonder, you know, where do you fit in this whole spectrum of of characters and um and what that looks like? And I and I do think that you have a responsibility as a man to, you know, as a as a follower of 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 Christ to walk in integrity no matter what. You have a responsibility um to, you know, um to lead, to teach, to train on what scale that's not as clearly defined. And so for me, the balancing act or the tension in the midst of that is saying, I just want to be a good steward over what's been put in front of me. And I'm going to wrestle with what that stewardship looks like. You know what I mean? Like, do I blow the whistle here? Is that good stewardship? And you're counting the cost a lot, right? So I know so many things about all your favorite Christian leaders. Do I talk about that? Do I blow the whistle? Is that even beneficial? Because there's a lot of people listening. What what does that mean? Um, and so that that's definitely been a process. That's something that I constantly wrestle with and just try to figure out what's the best move here. Man, that's very helpful. Uh, stewardship. Let's talk about these layers of chaos here. Um, you know, we split it up. You talked about racial chaos. And I find that in this moment, we talk a lot about this in Pastor Mike, that we're trying to do this hard work of what I've coined the idea of is proclaiming and reclaiming. We're trying to proclaim the truth of God's word and reclaim the lost, stolen parts of our own identities. Mm-hmm. And so while we're in the midst of proclaiming and reclaiming, there's a lot of confusion in the process. Mm-hmm. How much further along do you feel like you are than when you started navigating the racial chaos? Because I, I think there's a, a lot of people who are watching who probably feel more aware than they were before, but actually feel worse <laughs> than where they were before mm. started this trajectory of trying to figure out, okay, who I am, who, who am I as a black Christian? Who am I as a person who's been created in the image of God? but I operate in spaces where people don't see my full range of dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's, that's, a. Uh, I think I'm, I'm eons from where I was when I first started this conversation. Eons. At, at, initially I was just mad. I was just like, what? This is crazy. You know, I didn't, I wasn't informed. I didn't know. I couldn't even see my own issues. I just, I just was upset. Now I feel as if, you know, so good example is I had to do a lot of personal restorative work on myself. And in doing that personal restorative work, I had to learn my own triggers, my own struggles, my own issues. Um, And then while I'm doing that, I'm also trying to navigate these racial the, the, the society that we live in and this racialized society that we live in. And so um, that manifests itself in that I, certain conversations trigger me, certain environments trigger me, certain authors, pastors, they, they, they trigger me. They bring up traumatic circumstances for me. Um, and so I'm trying to navigate that and yet still be loving, still be full of love, joy, patience, peace, and kindness. Um, and so you're processing that through your pain and your anger. And now I would say, I don't know, man, I, I just don't, I know there's a, there's a space, especially as it pertains to like reformed evangelicalism, right? I know that's a space. I don't know what's happening over there. I don't, I don't care to know, you know what I'm saying? I just don't, it's a space that was traumatic for me. And it's not to say that there's not some amazing, incredible individuals who exist in that space. It's not to say there's not some God-fearing people that are welcome to my house to have dinner. However, 
the toxicity over there that I experienced has me saying, "Mm -mm, I'm cool. Because part of my preoccupation with wanting to know what's happening over there is connected to my acceptance because my own identity, if, if I'm valuable over there, then I'm valuable period. Yes. They're the ones who are right and they value me, then I'm right. And I, and I'm valuable. And so a part of me being free from their, from that gaze and that sense of that false sense of acceptance is saying, I don't, I'm, I don't know. I don't care. I'm moving on. And I'm so glad you transitioned to talk about the gays, you know, within evangelicalism. You talk a lot in the book and in your most recent artistic works. Um, it's, it's somewhat in restoration, like unpacking and unlearning some of these evangelical cues. Mm-hmm. They're just un- unlearning it. And I can imagine that for us, that's hard enough. I mean, that's been hard enough for me to navigate unlearning what it means to constantly feel the need to prove myself theologically, prove myself, you know, prove, my, prove that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not what you think I am, not this, and, and ultimately realize that pursuit in and of itself is futile. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm trying to figure out how did you, how are you unlearning? Mm-hmm. You're unlearning while you're leading. So how are you unlearning in front of millions? Like, what's the unlearning process for Lecrae? We talk a lot about how you decolonize. Like, how are you mm-hmm. decolonizing your, your library? How are you decolonizing what you listen to? How do you do that? And because maybe it'll help us because <laughs> I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how do we do this while we're leading and while we have families and while we're working through the emotional and mental uh, traumas that we have? Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously for me, some of it is is coming to the realization in the grand scheme of things that much of the historical narratives from folks who've had to deal with this were not recorded or were destroyed, right? So, so there's not just a wealth, a library of folks that you can just dive into um, and swim yeah. in, you know what I mean? Um, so even as, as you start your process of decolonization, you have to be a lot more open-handed in terms of like these theological f- categories and frameworks of, of solid, not solid. Um, because, you know, there, there's so many, there's so many vantage points you'll miss out on um, because people weren't even allowed to be in your quote unquote solid camps in their time in their space in their era. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so one is like find, like finding the beauty and the benefit in all in historical authors, and not you know, all oh, don't read no James Cone, man. You know that liberation theology gonna lead you, bro. They replace Jesus with justice. You don't want that in your library. It's like, no. There's plenty I can actually yeah. learn from 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 Cone. Yes, um, and um, and so it, it's that process of including folks into the library that previously weren't there. Um, It's also realizing that the church in many ways is a microcosm of our society. So there's some people in society that have dealt with this um, without the spiritual vantage points, but it's just, it's just, they're dealing with racism. We're dealing with racism in the church. They're dealing with racism on a whole. So, so as long as you can chew up the meat and spit out the bones there's plenty of perspectives and, and great works that you can absorb as you move forward in leading. Um, the biggest mistake I'll say um, I made was believing, not, not the biggest mistake, I'll say one of the biggest mistakes that I made was um, believing that I had to be, replacing me being the token echo chamber for predominantly white spaces to being now the token educator in predominantly white spaces. And so, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, we, well, no, we got, we got to, we got to get into that. Now the token echo chamber versus the token educator. That's yeah. new, man. What, what is that? Is that more recent of a discovery? Like what really sparked that for you? Because I think that's, that's the next wave that many of us are on is the realization that, 
okay, we don't have to sit down and just have a thousand conversations ad nauseum just because you you asked nicely. Like what <laughs> like what what produced that for you? Um, you know, I, I had felt that way. Um probably prior to 2020, I had felt that way. And I had felt as if, you know, that's not something that I want to do. Um, and, and part of it was just me understanding that you spent all this time studying these great historical European vantage points. You can spend time studying these black, brown, and other vantage points. You can do that. And then I was disappointed that people thought it was a, a niche area. Like, oh, yeah, well, this kind of like black stuff is niche. And I was like, wow, niche. You know what I mean? Like, not just be, because what you're pushing forward is a cultural theological framework. You just don't realize it. You don't you think you're acultural. But if if the black people talking about God is niche, then the white people talking about God is niche. Right. It's all niche. So we need all these vantage points. But then I think the straw that broke the camel's back for me was, <laughs> you, you know, and I know people mean well, and I don't mean this to say, you know, this is not a, a well-meaning uh, follower of Christ. But at the same time, me being on that panel discussion with Louis Giglio and Dan Cathy, yeah. Yeah. that was a straw. Yeah. That was like, all right, I'm out. Because what it taught me was that um, in me walking into this space, trying to be the educator, I end up doing a disservice to the very people who are hurt um, by the lack of understanding education and research that is needed to really care. And I end up being a picture of virtue signaling, a picture of like, hey, come up here so we can look like we're really about this when in fact um, we, we just want, you know, to not have to do the work, but, but look as if the work is being done. Man, I'm so glad you brought that up. I know that's a, that's a difficult moment. You know, that's a, that's a tough moment to process. And um, you know, you've talked ad nauseum about kind of how you feel, differently about navigating those moments now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to make it like some hard and fast rule, but I'm curious, like, what are some things that are helping you guide, like approaching those moments now, you know, is it a situation where, because for so many of us, and, and this is something I work through and I, so I'll, I'll make it personal, you know, with the most recent George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, I've, I've had some conversations publicly and I've, you know, with, some of my friends were in majority spaces, you know, I've had some conversations publicly, but I didn't really, I've had fewer than what I normally would. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to navigate it well. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm not wasting my time. What am I, what are we doing? You know, what's, what's the goal here? How are you, like, how would you do that differently? Like, so you get reapproached to do a panel Mm -hmm. and you don't have to share your whole process, but I'm just curious, like, what are some things that are in your mind that you're thinking through and firing on um, as a black man in that space, because we know black women typically aren't in that space. They're not allowed to be in that space or they're not valued in the same way as us. So how are you like working through that? And what are some things that stand out to you as you think through those panel discussions in the future? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I'm, I'm questioning what their goal is. You know, what's the goal here? Well, I want to educate my congregation. Okay. Are you educated? You know what I mean? That's, that's question one is, are, are you educated on this process? No, not really. So why is this a panel discussion and not me teaching or not someone just teaching? Um, because, you know what I mean? Like there, there's really no need for you to speak if you're not educated on this process. You need to be in the audience learning and listening in the same way they need to be in art learning and listening. Um, if it is, I want to learn. OK, well, we need to have a private conversation and and it's not going to be a conversation it's going to be um a a relationship if anything so if you don't want a relationship with me if you don't need me um you're not going to see any benefit in learning this information right if i'm not if, if myself or people of color are not needed in your own life then why why go through this process right you you can function just fine without ever learning anything about our trauma, our, right. our history. 
you know. No, that's really helpful. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. Let's transition to family stuff, man, and, and personal, and then we'll we'll kind of circle back to talk about some of these other things. I'm sure throughout, but man, uh, you know, I, I look at my kids now, and I I care about what they're going to think about me in ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, and you told the story in the book of something that your son said to you that was a moment for you, right? That your son. You know, and I won't give it away. You got to go, got to go pick up the book. Got to go pick up the book. Um, <laughs> you know, you, talk, you said something about, you know, what your son said and, and it was important for you. But how's Lecrae the man working through all this? Because we, we can talk about Lecrae the leader, Lecrae the black man. Mm-hmm. Lecrae the man. Mm-hmm. Like, what are those health benchmarks for you now that may have been different than they were before? Presence. Presence is way more important to me than it's ever been. Um, are you present? Um, everything matters. So what I didn't understand is that, you know, the minutia matters. And I didn't get that at first. I, you know, I, I remember plenty of times when my wife would be like, hey, there's a student council thing or, hey, there's a meet the parents thing. And I was like, what? what do, I don't want to meet them. What do I want to meet them for? You know what I'm saying? Like, and and now you realize like, oh, it's not about just showing up for the big games. It's about being there for the whole process. It's about being present when all they want to talk about is this Lego that they built. And, and you're tempted to be like, cool, nice, buddy. And but to them, this is a big moment. Daddy, look what I did. Be present. Pay attention. Lean into it. Um, because what you're doing is not more important than that. What you have going on is not more important. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that, you know, my, what I was doing was dragging my family along my journey. Cause I'm out here saving the world and I'm on TV and I'm writing books. And so what I'm telling them innately or, or what I'm, what I'm actually teaching them silently is that if you don't perform at a high level, then this, what, it doesn't matter. If you're not doing amazing things, then it's not worth peep time or attention. Wow. Hmm. That's, that's heavy because I think uh, you're, you're connecting how we live to the cues that our parents, um, you know, or the, the cues that our children see in us and the cues that our spouses see in us. Uh, your wife navigating all this with you. And, and and by extension, you know, of course, your wife being a black woman, you you having to navigate your own internalized <laughs> issues as it relates to black women. Like, man, you you're processing this in the midst of it. And so you're trying to lead as a as a as a father, and you're trying to lead as a husband. So your wife through all this and reading reading through the book, I mean, I think people are gonna be like, man, wow, you know, she was really there with you. She was really holding you down. People okay. never understand yeah. what spouses go through, specifically what black women who are married to public figures go through. They ju- they don't like in their minds, in their minds, LeBron's wife is at home just cooking and, and enjoying her millions. And, and she's not having to process the scrutiny that he goes through. And she's not having to process raising her kids while her husband's on the road 82 days out of the year. And she's not having to process women throwing themselves at him all the time. And she's not having to process his struggles mentally, emotionally, and him trying to figure out what it means to be a dad when he didn't have one. Like, there's just this, like, thought that they're in la-la land enjoying the ride and they should be happy to be there and not this reality that no, they're actually carrying a lot of the burdens and a lot of the weight and um, don't get to experience the relief um, that, you know, people expect them to be able to experience. You know what I mean? It's because they're holding down in my wife specifically, it's holding down the house, um, you know, dealing with the raising kids. And then I come home and I'm like, yo, the world's attacking me. I'm traumatized. And she's like, so I'm supposed to be a therapist, a mom, a wife, a chef, 
uh, like that's a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. And, and so the journey in all of this, like you're navigating leading, leading an organization, producing art, being a black man, navigating evangelicalism, father, husband, and you crash, <laughs> right? As, as anybody would, right? Like trying to navigate all these things without the proper tools. Yeah. So what are the proper tools? What What's taking you to this place of, and I know restoration is not a destination. That's not like we don't, mm-hmm. we're not, we're, it's it's a reality that we live in yeah. on a continual basis. So what are the tools and what tools have you been using to unlearn and relearn what it is to be healthy? Yeah. I mean, part of it is, is a health, is, is, is a diagnostic check, right? So um, and I don't, I don't want to say this with this kind of trite, like perspective that everyone has access to quality therapists and so on and so forth. But if you do, you need to get the checkup. You need to to be able to to sit with someone who has the acumen and the expertise to listen to you tell your story and be able to see where there's areas that you know, are unhealthy and be able to help you navigate some of those areas. Um, If you don't have those, if you don't have that opportunity, then read the books at the very least. You know what I mean? There's apps, you know, there's, there's different people out there that provide tools for this, you know, and and there's so many of them out there that, you know, you can process. Um, But more than anything, I would say, simplicity. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the biggest thing is simplicity. Like we, every, every innovation that, that happens in our society comes with like severe detriment as well. Right. It, 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 it's detrimental in terms of our, our simplicity. Like I don't believe God wants us to be overwhelmed with these with all of the complexities and, and problems and pressures that we try to tackle every day. Like, I, I don't think it's healthy for us to know about all of the issues going on at every minute of the day in every corner of the earth. What, what are you going to do about that? Are you God? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, to, so we invented the, the wheel. We can go further than we've ever gone, but we, we're also gone longer than we've ever been. You know what I mean? We have the smartphone. We can connect to people anywhere in the world at any given moment. We're also overly connected, too connected to everyone at the same time. Um, So more than anything, I'd say simplicity. Um, And I don't want to say that with like, hey, be religious. But I would say you've got to know your bandwidth. A good book that I love is, is, uh, is Dr. Swenson's Margin. Where it's just like, do you have the ability to, you know, be excited about something in the future and to reflect on the past and to be present in the moment? So, no, that's super helpful. Um, especially the the point about margin. I think we're all finding in a pandemic, it didn't make things easier. It just made us have to. It forced us to to face these things. Like it forced mm-hmm. us to face it. Um, and and speaking of that, man, like. What would your word be to people who are navigating the pandemic in church? And, uh, <laughs> you know, we talked about it before, like, man, I don't know what in the world. Like, how do we navigate living faithfully before God in the midst of this? 
and being healthy? Like, what's your advice to people who are processing that? Because this is an added layer of difficulty globally for all of us. Yeah. Well, again, I, I, I don't believe that the American institution that we call church is, is the biblical prescription for church. Um, so some of the things that we say we need are not needs, they're preferences. Um, in order for us to be the church, it does not require a worship team on staff. So if that has to take a nosedive, that's a preference. It's not a mandate. And if, and if we are pushing people in unsafe conditions in order to make sure that the worship staff can, can get paid, I think now we're, we're dealing with more of a business and an institution than we're dealing with the church. You know what I mean? Um, so as it pertains to church, I, well, what's the role of the church? You know, what, what's, what, what are the, the mandates? Is there, is there elders? Is, are there, are there deacons or is there an authority that you're submitting to? Is it a community that you have entrusted yourself to? Um, because for a lot of us, we don't belong to communities that we've entrusted ourselves to. If, if someone were to <laughs> execute biblical discipline, church discipline, they wouldn't care. They'd be like, all right, I'm out. I'll go to another place because I'm not even connected to y'all. <laughs> so it don't, don't hurt my feelings, man. Um, so I, I think it's important for us to, to find ourselves connected to a community of people that we love, that we trust, to entrust ourselves to authority figures that we can learn from, that will shepherd us well. And some of the other things are peripheral. You know what I mean? Some of we, we can actually gather virtually. Like that's a thing we can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know what I'm saying? So you're, you're making rules where there are no rules. If you're saying like, no, it's gotta be in person. Well, why? You know what I mean? Where's that at? Um, so maybe it's not ideal, um, but you know it's a it's the reality that we live in right now. And so, anyway, all that to say that to me, what we're in right now reminds me a lot of a picture of ancient ancient Rome and the ancient world. And Christians, the real Christians, were not they gathered because they wanted to to grow and to be connected to each other. They they served because they wanted to honor God. It wasn't trendy. It wasn't catchy. It wasn't about being connected to the awesome pastor and the awesome church. It was because, man, this is, it's crazy out there. We need each other, you know? Man, the, this last five minutes, man, I want to, I want to dream a little bit. Yeah. I want to dream a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is, man, I feel like, we're on this loop of how we going to navigate this, how we going to navigate that, working through it. All that's very important, man. I, I encourage people, I'm serious, get the book. Like, it's going to really help work through some things in your own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's so much that we didn't cover that we just didn't have time to cover from the book and from the album and everything. But, man, I feel like, I feel like we've lost the ability to dream and to imagine and to reimagine who we are. Reimagine who we can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from your vantage point, you see higher than what we do. Mm-hmm. You see things we don't see. You can anticipate things that we don't know. We won't know for years. Mm-hmm. What's next for us? What's next for, for, the, for Black Christians? For Black Christians, what's next for us? Like, what are the next five to 10 years? What can they look like for us? Yeah. And, and what should we be working towards? Because that's what my heart right now is more on reimagining what can be rather than trying to recover what is or what Mm. was. I want to reimagine what can be like what's possible. Like if we all came together, what could, what could we do? What could we solve? What could we create for, for our children? And from your vantage point, where do you see that? Like, what's the dream? So I love that question. It's, if we can grasp it, it's already happening, right? If we can own it and not run from it, it's currently in play. If we can begin to band together 
and connect. You know, you, you and I and, you know, Christina Evanson and Kim and E, we were all on a call. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Look at this collection of wisdom, of, of, of thought, of, of shepherding, of care. And, uh, and I was like, if everyone in here sees themselves as the leaders that they are, if everyone in here sees themselves as the foundation or, or the, the floor that the next generation gets to walk upon, we're going to be great because we're navigating things that we've never had to navigate. To me, like right now I'm in Ephesians in the Bible and I'm looking at this Gentile nation who doesn't have church fathers. They don't have a historical narrative of what it means to follow Christ. They come from worshiping Zeus and Pan and, and, and now it's like, hey, y'all go be Christians. And, and they're literally having to become the leaders that they never had. They literally have having to create something. And, and the Jews were like, oh, I don't really even know how to rock with the, you know, Peter's even like, do I eat with them? You know, and, and it's like, there's going to be some Pauls out there who are going to be like, yo, y'all tripping, man. Y'all, we need to support this. There's no dividing wall for them now. And, um, and if they get that and they want to, and they want to link awesome, but it's not about us assimilating into white evangelicalism. It's not about us, you know, like the Gentiles, not about getting circumcised. No, it's about being passionate about following the Lord and understanding that now I'm, I'm a new people. I'm a chosen race. You know, I'm a part of a royal priesthood. And if y'all want to come band with us, dope, but don't make us assimilate. Let's move forward. So that's where we are. That's what I see moving forward. Um, I see yourself. I see Jamar. I see Kyle. I see BJ. I see Christina. I see Akimene. I see uh, just so many people. And if we resource each other, we can create that space um, that we're, we yearn for. Um, we're a little nervous, you know, but <laughs> a little apprehensive. Man, so I think I think that's so much of our heart at The Witness and what we desire to do. And I, I would I would love for all of us as a collective of Black Christians to continue to dream mm-hmm. and to continue to imagine what it could look like. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like we haven't figured it out yet. I feel like we're close. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, we're hesitant. I mean, because we're mm-hmm. still new in this. Like we're still new in trying to figure out what it looks like to detach and unlearn and separate and still survive, Yeah, uh, you know, and still flourish and still thrive. But I think we're close, man. I think there's a couple of things that will happen over the next five to 10 years that'll be significant for the next 50 years. Mm. Um, and I just feel it strongly on me, man. I, and mm. I, I, I hope that we continue to dream and to navigate what a healthy, flourishing life looks like for the Black Christian. And I, I think you're at the forefront of that. And I, I appreciate and applaud your, you, you verbalizing and sharing your story of, of restoration. Yeah. And I know that's still an ongoing story for you. Right. But what would you say in closing, man? What would you say to the people who are like, man, what do I do? Like, I'm, I'm just navigating this and I'm a, I'm a mother of three or I'm a, you know, a, a dad who's an essential worker. Or, you know, I'm a college student. What would you say to the people who are seeking and searching for restoration but can't seem to find it? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, a lot of us have bought into the idea that it's it's supposed to come at the snap of a finger and that it's not a journey. You know, my. um, You know, my three times great grandmother, Emmeline, was brought over from Africa, trafficked at nine years old. And there was no picture of an end in sight for her. You know, her, there's no picture of going back to Africa in sight for her. She, she could not change her circumstance, but she could be changed in the midst of her circumstance. And I think that's where we have to reframe things um, where Jeremiah 29, 11 becomes a little more real 
We love the last part. We love that he he has plans for us, plans for a future and a hope. Yes, God, amen. But we forget that 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 promise was given 70 years before they would even see that. You know, they had to hold on to that reality every day. So that's what I would say is, I would say you've got to you've got to hold on to the promises of God every day and look for how what you're in right now can be transformative for you. Um, you know, I, I think um, and get other voices around. So even for me, like. I am not at a place where I can't learn. I'm not, you know, my prominence and stature doesn't put me in a position where it's like, I can't learn or I can't learn from somebody younger or somebody from a different vantage point. Like, like even to, to, to big you up, like, you know, for people to know, like this book wouldn't have been written without your consultation, without your counsel, you know what I mean? And so, you know, me being able to sit and, and have dialogue with you doesn't make me less. It makes me stronger because I'm connecting with somebody else who I can wrestle through this stuff and process this stuff with. And, um, and I think that's a big part of it as well. Restoration is going to be a collective thing. It's going to be a communal thing. Um, even in the scriptures, God doesn't really speak to this whole individual kind of circumstance. He speaks to a collective, you know, us, 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 us. Um, and so you've, you've got to enter into the usness to, to, to see the restoration that you really want to see. My brother, I appreciate you, man. It's been enriching for me. It's been encouraging. Um, the book, I Am Restored. Everybody should go get it. Also, the album, Restoration. Um, man, there's so much to unpack there even. But, you know, another time, another day, another space, man. we got to have you back. Next time, yeah. it can't be however long it's been for you to be right. back on past Mike, It can't be that yeah. gap, bro. Can't I'm be telling. that gap. But I just want to say personally, man, we've seen you, we've seen you grow and develop and we've seen you work through things and still continue to work through things and process it. And, um, you know, I just, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate how you're navigating it. And I know everything is not a straight line. Like it's a, it's a roller coaster sometimes and growth isn't linear, but I just appreciate you taking the time to, model it in front of us and so i just want to say that on behalf of all of us who have been watching your journey uh continue on continue on your what you do matters brother thank you man appreciate you vice versa for real This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.